everyone, and welcome to the Inside Out Group podcast with your hosts, Nathan Westfall and Michael Moore. Uh, we're going to be talking about church leadership issues that arise in your local organization. Our goal together is to help you transform your culture from the inside out. Today, we're going to start off by sharing a little bit about the history of where we've been, where the church has been, uh, how we have been through, and how, why uh, these topics that we talk about matter to us. So I'm the uh, co-host, Nathan. I'm going to be the one asking Michael a lot of the questions. I'm 22 years old. Uh, I'm actually married to Michael's niece, niece-in-law. I don't know what you'd call niece it. Niece-in-law? Yeah, yeah, pretty close. Um, grew up outside of Albany, and I've known Mike for probably just over six years now, almost since the beginning of City Church. Uh, we've been through building crises, uh, good times, bad times, a lot of stuff that we'll cover, but we've kind of been in the thick and thin of, I think, most of it at this point. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it for me. Michael, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am currently uh, 31 years old, and uh, I am married to uh, Christy Moore, which is Marissa's. Uh, she's coming up in here. So Marissa's aunt, which is kind of weird to think about. But um, but yeah, and so we have one child by the name of Judah. We have another that at the recording of this podcast is two weeks away, uh, baby girl. We have not picked a name yet, but I'm sure you'll find out pretty soon. And we have a dog named Jax, another dog named Charlie, and a cat that is diabetic named Nico that, um, by the grace of God, is still alive. Yeah, by the grace of God. Yes, literally. So, but uh, yeah, so I'm the pastor at City Church in the Albany, New York area, and uh, just exciting about what is going on and and, uh, excited to share what we've learned over the past six years. Great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you felt called to plant a church? I mean, this was a while ago, so. Yeah, so, and this actually, this ties back to even the name of this uh, organization, the Inside Out Group. Uh, I believe that whenever you're called to, to plant a church or whenever you're called to start a business or uh, it, whether it's an entrepreneurial thing or anything like that, it has to be something that has to be on the inside of who you are. Mm-hmm. And so with City Church in particularly, it was a burden that God had placed on my heart for the, the city of Albany, specifically for young professionals, young families starting out between the ages of you know 25 to 35 year olds. And and uh, it was it, honestly, it was a, a burning passion of mine that I, I could not just put off. And uh, even whenever I tried putting it on the back burner, God just continued to bring that into the forefront of really everything that I was doing. And so that that is where the the passion comes from. It, it starts from the inside. Yeah. And why don't you go in a little bit? Because I, I don't know if everyone knows. So the story is you're playing a church in New York just over six years ago at this point. Uh, but you haven't been in New York your whole life. So me, on the other hand, I've been in New York for 22 years. You different state, far away. Why don't you go into that just a little bit? Yeah. So I am from the South, the dirty South. I grew up in uh, Southeast Texas in the Beaumont area and was born in Mississippi. And, and I claim Texas because uh, what is Mississippi known for? Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I claim, uh, I do claim Texas, Texas pride, but uh, ended up entering into ministry in Southeast Texas, got saved in Southeast Texas and came up to New York kind of accidentally. Long story we will not get into. Yeah, not today. today. Yeah, Yeah, not today. But I came up in here and really just God gave me a passion for this area and told me this is this is going to be my new home and met my wife up here and we started the church. So that was about nine years ago. I moved up here to the Albany area. 
So what was the process uh, leading up to the launch at that point then? So you've moved up here, you had the passion, um, you know, who, who started with you? What was, where did you work at? How did you transition into it? Yeah, so I was actually working at another local church in the area. It's a great church. And God really just, again, continued to birth this passion, birth this vision in my heart. And one of the things that I felt like God told me whenever I was your age, 22 years old, is that I would plant a church. And whenever I planted a church, that God would send the people to help launch the church. And so uh, I had this passion of mine and I contacted or, or really a friend of mine, Travis, ended up contacting me. And uh, over the course of two weeks, he sold everything. He ended up moving up here to New York at the time. We didn't know if it was going to be a ministry or a church or what. And then another friend of mine uh, did a honey move, David. And so we, we saw him and his wife got married. And instead of going on a honeymoon, they moved up here to New York. God bless them. Um, and uh, really just we, we kind of got together and we just started brainstorming. And so the actual process leading up to it, and this is, this is kind of one of our, uh, good parts, but failures also is there wasn't a formal process. Uh, what's different about city church is we did not go through any church planning organization. We did not have a five-year strategy. Uh, we, we had a heart for the city. We wanted to see a city transformed. We had a mission statement, uh, and we were like, all right, no one else is doing it. So let's do it. Let's do it. And one of, one of the things Andy Stanley says a whole lot is you don't have to be the best hot dog stand, but if you're the only hot dog stand in town, um, you're going to attract people. And that essentially was our launch strategy. And so we launched September of 2011, uh, September of two, yeah, 2011, uh, with evening experiences in a local nightclub. And um, we kicked it off and maybe had 50 people there the first time. And then it was 40 people the next month and then 30 people and then Christmas came. And so there was another 50 people. And then we really hit the trenches in January of 2012, whenever we went weekly uh, and we had about 15 people show up. Nathan, you were one of those 15. Yeah, it was probably early 2012 was when I started going. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was pretty uh it was it was pretty rough, but that was that was our our launch strategy was attempt to launch big, which wasn't big in retrospect to other churches, but it was big for this area, and kind of cast the net out and see who God brought, and that's what we did. Yeah, and I think the only thing you guys really had going for you in the beginning in terms of not having a plan was the fact that it was in a night bar. So there's your hot dog stand that was around because I I mean I'm sure you can go into the people who told you that was a good idea, bad idea. It was kind of mixed all the way across of whether or not it would work. Yeah, I would say eight out of 10 people said it was a bad idea to be in a nightclub and six out of 10 people said it was a bad idea to start a church in Albany. Yep. And um, and I, I remember one guy coming up to us and, and just being like, why are you going to Albany? No one goes to Albany. I'm like, that's why. Right, right. And uh, so why don't we talk about the early, early years of playing the church so we can go into, you know, where in Albany, give us some, you know, where we are um, in just those first two to three years because so much happened just in that time. Yeah, so the, so the first two to three years and and if you if you lead an organization you're, you're leading a church plant I want to encourage you to cherish the beginning years the startup years of your organization of your church of your business whatever it is uh, because those are the the hardest times and the most trying times but but looking back now that we're established they were by far the funnest times as well yeah and <laughs> so lots of crazy things and so uh, kind of a, a short rundown is we were we were at, at the nightclub Jillian's nightclub until they shut down 
And then we got booted to another bar by the general manager. Uh, he was he was buying that bar, so he offered his space just a block down the road. And uh, we then started talking to the bank to be able to get back into Jillian's. We were able to work out a deal with them, got back into Jillian's. And at this time, the, the church was probably running 80 or 90 people. Yeah, I would even say that even... Uh during that transition, it was a scary time because we're getting kicked out of one because it's shutting down, but going to another. But the amount of connections and new people we've been at the Bayou was beneficial oh, to the rest of the launch of the church, I would say. Yeah, it, it, it was huge. And, and even to this day, uh, Mike, who's the owner of the Bayou, now the Hollow, we have a we have a great relationship with him. We see each other. We we talk. Uh, he's a he's a great guy. And 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 just the connections with other ministries, the connections right. with with other people, uh, different churches in the area. Uh, it was it was pretty awesome to see and and so when when really this the the stuff hit the fan whenever we moved back into Jillian's and we uh we took over the downstairs area and so the nightclub was upstairs the main level was kind of restaurant bar and and concert venue and we we took over that area uh and the times union jordan from the times union came and did an article on us great article and it ended up hitting the papers we did not file for the proper permits and once it hit the paper uh, the city came to us and gave us a cease and desist order and so i remember getting a, a phone call on a friday afternoon and it was um, one of the guys from code enforcement. And he said, you haven't filed the proper paperwork. And so we're going to have to shut you guys down. And so we tried filing the paperwork that Friday, got nowhere. Uh, Nathan, your dad actually stepped in and started advocating for us with the city. And yeah, we were trying everything at that point, you know, reapplying for permits. Uh, we were going to put up a wall at one point that would have done something like there was a whole we tried everything yeah. in the book. Yeah. And so it, it really was the first brick wall that we ever hit as a church. Uh, is things were growing. We were starting to gain traction and get attention. Uh, and the city just kept coming back to us over and over and over saying, uh, we can't change the uh, occupancy permit from a restaurant to a general assembly because of X, Y, and Z, which is interesting because the building was zoned for like 800 people and we were on a good day pushing 100, 120 at the time. Right. And, and so... Uh, after about two months of that and spending thousands of dollars and uh, doing architectural drawings and having fire inspections, we kind of pulled the plug on that and we became the nomadic church. And we, we moved to uh, the Dream Center, the Prayer and Healing Center, and Episcopal Church, back to the Prayer and Healing Center, back to the Episcopal Church with a more stable lease. We were there for a year. Uh, and during that meantime, my friend Byron came up, him and his wife, and they kind of they, they helped us. They really helped us behind the scenes with organizational stuff, getting things on track. And um, yeah, and even 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 before that, when as soon as we got kicked out of Jillian's due to the Times Union, um, I mean that oh, yeah. was that was what 2013 or so 2012, 2012, 12, 13, into 13. Into 13. Um, it was literally the point where we still had a, a good Sunday, check Twitter because Friday night you're going to find out where our service is. And it was within a five mile radius of downtown Albany. But I remember finding out Thursday night, Friday night, posting it on Twitter and seeing who would come. Yeah, we were tweeting, texting, making phone calls, Facebook, uh, just trying to get the word out. It Honestly, it kind of felt like the early church, except for we had social media. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> It's like, all right, I don't know what's going on. So, um, But Byron came up here for a little while and uh, he was here for with us for about a year and 
towards the end of that, we, we moved, we were in the Episcopal church, which that that's a whole nother story. So, and I'll hit on this. The Episcopal church is not in the best part of town. And I remember our, our first Sunday there, um, (laughs) we had to tow a guy's car because he was parked on the lot, even though we repeatedly told him repeatedly told him that we were going to have to tow his car and uh, just one thing led to another and so we towed his car and he came into the church screaming and cussing and I literally thought that I was going to be beat up and I was called things that I will not say on this podcast <laughs> um, we had shootings outside the church we had uh, we had a guy that was literally gunned down um, maybe two blocks from the church uh, and so it was a it was a definitely a trying time uh, for us. And at, at the end of the, the, the lease, the Episcopal Church was restarting a mission there. And so we found another place. We went to a hotel. And then from there, we moved to the Madison Theater in the Pine Hills neighborhood. And really, that's where things started to take a turn uh, for the better. And so it, it, and just to kind of give you guys a retrospect of what was going on, we started the church, uh, really had no idea what we were doing in the first year. We figured out a lot of stuff. We got some some systems in place uh, and things started really growing to the point that it got press attention and media attention. And and even whenever we were nomadic the first month or two, it was just like still the church was just exploding. And once things kind of started to settle down, the dust settled down, uh, we started losing people left and right. And uh, and kind of we kind of lost the sexiness of a of it so to speak and and yeah yeah that's a good way to put it um so during this time during things that are going up what would you say the low points of the church were so let me let me jump back to uh and this will uh, let me let me jump back to the first question you said the first question was tell me something along the lines of how i felt called to plant a church all right yeah. and so uh, this was a heart issue. And this is if you're planning a church or you're starting a business or you're you're doing a new venture or whatever it is, man, your heart has got to be in it. It has got to be something that it just like a marriage, you marry it and you're in it for the long run. And and so the most trying point for me was uh, my wife and I got married and things are going great in our relationship. And then my father got sick and my father lived in Atlanta. And, and I'm not talking about sick with the flu. I'm talking about he's we are fighting for him to get a lung transplant at Emory University. And it was the most draining period probably of my life of of uh, traveling, driving, flying down there, being away from my family. Um, and I, I remember in August of one year, just before he passed away, uh, there was literally six days I was in New York and the rest I was down in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And so that was probably personally the lowest point in my walk and my my ministry. And then from that, you know, my father passing away and my wife, we went through some personal issues, not not marriage issues, but we just had some tragic stuff happen to us personally. How do you pick up from that? And how do you how do you keep trusting God and keep pursuing a vision that he's given you for this city whenever you're going through really hell? 
Uh, Chris Hodges says, uh, and many of you may know him through ARC, the Association of Related Churches, but he says his very first thing in ARC 1.0 is you have to win the war in the spiritual before you win the war in the practical. And and it was really one of those things. God was allowing me to go through these different tests, through these different seasons, both in my marriage, both with the church and my faithfulness to him. I think really just to test me to see how determined I was to remain true to what it was that Christ was actually calling us to do. Um, And so organizationally, probably the lowest point in the church, and and you may remember this, was was in the Madison Theater, is, is I remember the church had dwindled down to 40 or 50 people. We were struggling. I was doubtful. I had different opportunities on the table. We were praying. Do we leave? Do we stay? Uh, and and it was uh, one particular Sunday. I remember we uh, we took up an offering of seventy four dollars, and seventy dollars of that was was from Christy and I. And and it was like, all right, God, how do we how do we get out of here? What what do we do? Right. Yeah. And I remember that time too in particular because I think out of the six years or so me being at Sea Church, that was during the six month period that I wasn't there. Um, you know, frankly, so I got married. My wife went to a different church and actually worked there. So the transition period took a little while. Totally. Um, but that was, you know, I remember talking to you just outside of it being like, hey, you know, this is where we are. Because we, I remember when I left, things were still good. And then this time happened. And then um, can you actually talk about a little bit, uh, this might even be into our next question, the the turning point, because it even happened at the Madison. Yeah, so it, it did happen at the Madison. So uh, kind of the turning turning point was God, God, God hooked me up with the coach, which a, a guy that I would call my pastor now, Chad, and he really started um, mentoring me and pouring into me. And as a leadership team, we, we really gathered around and we said, all right, who are we as a church? Who are we organizationally? And, and we really ironed out our mission statement. Uh, and we started looking at uh, essentially what makes us City Church, what makes us who we are. And, and in the middle of all that, we, we spent about nine months and we rented out a room uh, a few times a month and we gathered together and we ended up talking about and really getting into deep discussion about what our core values were organizationally. And out of that ended up coming what we call the creed. And and the reason, just in case you're listening to this, you're not in the Northeast area, the reason we call it the creed is, is because we live in a very, um, an area heavy with Catholicism. And so people that are de-churched, uh, understand Catholicism. And so they understand what a creed is. They, they've they recited the Apostles' Creed. They recited the Nicene Creed. Um, and they had to through confirmation. So we gathered for about nine months and we ironed out uh, the, the creed. And, and let me just, let me just kind of let you guys know what it is, is, and you can find this at the church website, citychurchalbany.com. But our creed or our core values, this is the way we worded it. We are a gospel centered community united in loving God and one another. Together, we are committed to establishing a culture of honor and excellence that Jesus may be known. We encounter God in our daily lives through prayer, worship, scripture, and other means prescribed by God. We believe we should be passionate about Jesus and connecting others to Jesus. And so whenever someone would say, who is City Church? 
That's who City Church is. That encompasses everything that we do, and we don't do anything outside of that now. And and so the 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 moment was, and I distinctively remember this. We did a series on this, a six-week series on this, teaching about every core value, gospel-centered community, united in loving God and one another, honor and excellence and what that looks like, and and a discipleship through prayer, worship, and scripture, and and you know, being evangelistic, all that stuff. And I remember uh, the end of September was right whenever it was the last week in September, we got that $74 offering and we had about $200 in the bank for the following week. Now you wanna talk about the low of lows in church planning, this is the low of lows. And uh, we gathered our elder board, we gathered some of our leaders and, and we set them down and it was like, all right guys, here's where we are. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. And so we had one of three options. One is we continue on where we are and we pray that God does something. Two, we merge with with another church. Or three, we, we shut it down. And that's where we were. And I remember that was a Saturday evening conversation. And we just gathered and we prayed. And the next day, I didn't know what to preach about. Um, and I just spent the whole evening in prayer, woke up in the morning, was praying and, and got up on stage and I ended up, you know, expository or exegetically teaching through Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 16 and 17 and uh, really just diving into that and just poured my heart out. And it was probably one of the few messages that have never been recorded, uh, which was probably by the grace of God. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the Sunday that I was talking about where I distinctively remember hearing about it, where it was, as you said, literally the night before wondering what to do. And then if you can real quick, just talk about you did that Sunday, you preached that message. What happened the following week? What was... So that Sunday, uh, we took up our offering and we had just enough money to pay for the facility, which was $550 or so. And it was like, all right, God, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Now, the month before, our budget at the time was maybe four or $5,000 for a month, which is not a lot. So I'm not really getting anything. There's no staff. It's all volunteer driven. The month before we took in, I think it was $3,200. And so we were below budget. The following Sunday uh, was the was the largest offering at the time that we had ever taken, and it was like twenty three, twenty five hundred dollars. And between that week span, I had multiple people contact me and come up to me and say, "I get it. I get what you're going for. I I'm, I want to jump on board. We've been on the fence. I get it." And then that month, we ended up taking in over $8,000, which was monumental. Some of you guys may be listening to this and be like, we take that in a week. Well, we'll get to that later. But, um, but that was monumental for us organizationally as a community to take that in. And, and then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And, and in the turning point process for the church, uh, and this is something that I, if you're in the middle of making cultural changes, you will lose people. You will lose people. And we lost probably out of that 50, 60 at the time, we probably lost 20 people during that. And so we actually decreased in attendance for a little bit of time, but the giving was up, the commitment was up, the vision was being laid out clearly, 
Uh, and we had we had a strategy and and a, a, a direction for where we were going next. Yeah, and I think that was the most that was good. Which the way you said it was the fact that even though we we lost people, the people that stuck around instantly had that buy-in, which took City Church totally. to the next level right after that. So totally. Ever since then, so you had people buy in. We had this turning moment. Um, what have you guys been focused on since then? So our 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 thing, uh, we have been trying to. We have this slogan. Uh, actually, David came up with it: simple and strong. We try to keep things simplistic, and we try to do it strong, the best best the way that we can. And so um, after that, we just started eliminating stuff that was outside of our, our mission and our vision as a church. And, and people would come up to us and say, well, we need more of this type of service, or we want to experience more of uh, this end of, of Christianity. And we just said, look, we're, we're going to do what we do well, which is preach the gospel. We're going to do worship well. We're going to do kids well. We're going to focus on those areas. And if this isn't what you're looking for, respectfully, we understand. We're not upset. It's one body. There are plenty of churches in the capital district to go to. And so we, we did have, have people leave and go to other churches, which is okay. Um, but, but because of us remaining simple and strong is we actually saw the momentum take place. People, uh, grabbed a hold of, of the vision, grabbed a hold of what was going on. And we started to see astronomical growth, uh, from one year to the following year. And I'm not talking like 10%, 20%. I'm talking literally um, more than doubling in size from one year over the next year. And, and Nathan, you, you, I'm sure, remember this. Why don't you speak a little bit about what you saw as as someone who's on a lead team and, and a congregant and a volunteer? Yeah, I guess the only thing that, I, I mean, I was just going to jump into this was the fact that not only do we see the congregation go, but going back to our first question, talking about the early years of the church, uh, we bought a, we have a building for the first time. That like, is true. Go into that. Like the fact that I think it was, I think this literally was the first building where it's not ours. We didn't buy it, but it was an official lease that was more than six months. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so that was October of, I think it was 2015. Whenever I gave that talk, we thought it was sinking. Giving had been uh, every month just up and up and up to eight eight to ten. One month, I think, was even $12,000. We saw uh, 40 people come to the church uh, the month of February in 2016. I was I was actually out of town speaking at different, different churches, and I came back, and I'm like, who are all these people? I don't even know <laughs> half the congregation. And um, it was a few months later, we, we got a call after seeking buildings and trying to get proper zoning and stuff, we actually got a call from a man who uh, who rented a, an old bank out and he couldn't find a tenant. And so we literally essentially got handed a building for about 60% less than what the previous tenant was paying for. And they did all the construction for it. They dealt with the city for it. They got the permits. They, they took care of all the electrical work. So all of the the stuff that we had to, that we thought we were going to have to throw in, they did. And I remember all we had to do is we had to come up with a uh, uh, first month's rent and the deposit. And so it came, uh, it came to be like 8,000. And then we had to buy chairs and a few other, few other small things because we had never bought chairs. And so I remember standing up in front of the church and, and being like, all right, we need $10,000 and we need it in less than two weeks. 
And I think we we took in $18,000 within a two week period. And so since then, we have had our own location within a few months of that. We, we went to two worship experiences. Uh, since then, we've now launched our, our first multi-site video venue campus. Uh, and we're continuing to see growth and just lives changed. And um, we're already talking about like, what's next? Where's our, our third location going to be? Uh, when are we going to have to add a third experience to our Albany location? And just just seeing, just seeing God, God grow. And I would just say the, the God grow us, but the, the toughest thing has been for us is remaining true to the mission, true to the vision and not allowing simple things that look really nice to distract us from what God has ultimately called us to do. Yeah, that's great. And I don't think, yeah, I think that's great. Just the way that the church has gone from years ago where it was on a napkin, no mission statement to oh, now yeah. to now we have not only a mission statement, we have our goals lined out, we have our creed, and we have a total focus on reaching the people of Albany. And I yeah. think that's great. Yeah. And and so and and it's been it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. So uh, going forward, you know, we covered a lot of the history of the church, a lot of the history of you and what you've been through. Uh, what can we expect going forward with this podcast? Yeah. So here's here's the thing. There's some phenomenal leadership and church planning podcast out there. Phenomenal. But a lot of these guys that I listen to and that you probably listen to as well, uh, they run mega churches. They deal with million dollar budgets. Um, they started and uh, opened their doors and a thousand people showed up. And that has not been our story. And so what you can expect in this podcast is if you are in the trenches, we are in the trenches with you. Uh, if you're running a low budget, we've ran a low budget. If you don't know how to lead people uh, it through discipleship, we've been there. If you've never implemented systems, we've implemented systems. And so what my hope is through this podcast to be able to talk about everything from running an elder board to setting up an article of incorporation to the legality to systems, structure, uh, your style, your experience, what it all encompasses, and be able to take the things that we've learned over the past six years and to be able to hand that off to someone else. Because here's the thing, and, and this is something we, we say from stage all the time, uh, we didn't have a lot of help starting out. And so our goal is to be as open-handed as possible uh, to anybody else who has a desire and a passion to start an organization, to start a church, to go out and to do something that they feel like God is calling them to do. Yeah, that's great. And with that, uh, anyone who's listening can visit us at uh, theinsideoutgroup.org. Uh, here you can find uh, other podcasts about other topics. Uh, Mike will be posting a blog post now and then. Um, and just even on there, you could. there's a contact button where you can reach out to myself or Michael where maybe we'll cover your question on the podcast. Maybe you heard something and want to dive a little deeper than what we're able to cover. Um, either one of us would reply and just be happy to get back to you. Uh, and with that, Michael, where can people find you? So you can find me any social media platform. It's at Mike Moore, A-L-B, M-I-K-E-M-O-O-R-E-A-L-B. And that's any social media platform out there. And you have a blog too, right? I do. Yep. Yeah, so I, I kind of stole this because everyone was going with the, the real Donald Trump, the real John <laughs> Gray, the real, you know, Bob, whoever. And so it's the real Mike and mainly because Mike wasn't available. And so I had to come up with something. And so it is the real Mike I'm surprised. I mean, everyone probably knows the other director, Michael Moore. I'm surprised you got the real Mike. So, Moore. I, I so know, you right? are the real Mike. Moore. I am the real Mike Moore. Yes, <laughs> that's great. 
Uh, thanks everyone for listening and tuning in. Um, be sure to come back next week as we cover more topics uh, with the church.